your patient gets COVID. They get the fever, they get the cough, they get the usual symptoms. It lasts for about a week. They recover and everything seems to be back to normal as far as you're concerned. They continue to have symptoms. You do a series of tests to investigate for underlying causes. Everything comes back okay. You want to reassure them that everything seems fine and that this was nothing more than your normal virus infection and that they've made a complete recovery. But their symptoms continue. And now it's three months since the acute infection. What do you do? Welcome to Primary Care Now. It's Monir Adam here. And today we continue our journey with long COVID. Long COVID is one of the series that we've been covering here on the podcast. And many of you will have heard episode one and two about this. Episode one was mainly about pathophysiology. What is long COVID? The symptoms, a bit about red flags. And episode two on this series was about initial assessment differentiating long COVID from other conditions and what investigations to do before referring and deciding who would be appropriate for referral. Now, once a referral has been made, what happens after that? The patient would be fully assessed and in some cases, a serious underlying pathology will be identified, unfortunately. And, you know, that might include, for example, some sort of scarring on the lungs, or some sort of damage to an organ or organ system, and that would be dealt with by the experts. But in many cases, nothing will be found wrong. And in the absence of any organic pathology, what do you do then? And I'd ask you to think about that for a second. Put yourself in the patient's shoes. You get COVID, which is a scary new condition uh, that apparently seemed to be taking over the world at one point. And you recover from that, but you're left with symptoms. And then you see a variety of specialists and all you're getting back is that there is nothing wrong that we can find. How does that make you feel? Do you feel like they're trying to say you're a fraud? Do you feel that the services are no good because nobody can find out what's actually wrong with you? Do you feel despondent, confused? Ultimately, even though there's nothing objectively found, you do want somebody to help you with your symptoms. Well, fortunately, there are specialists out there who have dedicated their time to exactly that, helping people to learn to live and manage their symptoms and how they feel overall. And you know what? That's such a relief because that's exactly the point that we often feel uh, helpless as primary care clinicians, isn't it really? Now, there are such services across Northeast London in different areas, but we are going to be interviewing somebody from the Homerton service. And since long COVID is so common, I thought it's useful for us as frontline clinicians to at least know a little bit about this service. So stay tuned. Okay, hi Louise. Do you want to start by introducing yourself and start by telling us what is CORE? Mm -hmm. Yeah, so hi Manir and thank you so much for having me here today and for giving us the opportunity to tell you a little bit more about our service. So I'm Louise, I'm a cognitive behavioural therapist and I work in the City and Hackney COVID rehabilitation team. And just a little bit about my background before I go on to explain um, a bit more about CORE. So I trained as an occupational therapist um, and I worked as an OT for, for five years um, in acute physical hospital 
hospital settings. And there I kind of noticed the gap between kind of mental health and physical health. And despite best efforts, there didn't seem to be a really, really holistic or integrated approach to both uh, mental and physical health. So then I trained as a cognitive behavioural therapist uh, to focus a little bit more on the mental health aspect of things. Um, and then I've worked as a cognitive behavioural therapist for three years, first in Talk Changes, IAPT, and now in the COVID rehabilitation team. So I've always been quite interested in kind of integrating both physical and mental health. And I think background in OT and CBT kind of has allowed that and has really helped. So then the, the COVID rehabilitation service, a short for that is CORE, um, and that's just in City in Hackney. So essentially, we are kind of a rehabilitation and recovery service that aims to help people live well alongside symptoms of long COVID. So as we know, unfortunately, there is no cure or no medical treatment at the moment for long COVID to reduce the symptoms. So we are taking a very holistic approach and a therapy-led approach to um, support people with managing their symptoms. And the aim is to help them live well alongside their symptoms and hopefully improve their quality of life as well. Mm-hmm. And that's really helpful to have because I have to admit that these are exactly the kind of scenarios where, as primary care clinicians, we often get really stuck. When you have these scenarios where you're left with ongoing symptoms, we often feel out of our depth in that. Mm-hmm. And so it's great to have, what, as you describe, a holistic approach to try and understand. And this is the kind of thing where I'm sure there are so, so many other scenarios, not just long COVID what we could really do with that kind of holistic approach. But sticking to long COVID then, it can seem all a bit mixed and complicated, um, partly because it's a fairly new condition and we can't always find positive tests to substantiate the symptoms that the patient's presenting with. In a worst case scenario, you might end up with a clinician who thinks they're making it up because you can't find, and obviously that's, you know, hopefully it doesn't happen too often. So what would be your approach to something like this? Because it all sounds a bit complicated. Like, where do you begin? Yeah, yeah. As you say, it it is really complex. And I think GPs have been in a really difficult situation um, where people are coming with very, very complex needs and there's no kind of clear medical explanation for that. So we have been using kind of a biopsychosocial framework and model to kind of understand people's needs a little bit more. And again, we're not saying we have any kind of cure for that or any um, specific treatment to reduce the symptoms. But by getting a really good understanding of someone's biological kind of situation, um, psychological um, needs and their socioeconomic or environmental needs as well, that allows us to really kind of get a really good understanding of who the person is what's important to them and what what they're what they're dealing with from a physical perspective but how that is also impacting um their emotional and um, their emotional um, and psychological um needs so so we know that living with persistent physical symptoms like people do with long COVID, there's going to be very, very difficult thoughts and feelings that come with it. So we, using a biopsychosocial model, really want to acknowledge that and approach that and normalise that and validate that for, for people, that living with these really, really difficult physical symptoms is 
going to probably produce really, really difficult thoughts and feelings. And then also we're very interested in getting to know about someone's social circumstances. You know, are they well supported in um, work? Are they well supported in their family network? Are they well supported in their social networks? Because that is really, really key and really important because if people are really, really struggling in work, not being believed or not being understood by their employer, that's mm-hmm. going to add a lot of stress, a lot of pressure and maybe a lot of financial difficulties as well if they're not able to sustain a work routine. Um, mm-hmm. So we want to kind of build up, I suppose, that big picture of who the person is, what they're living with from a physical perspective, um, what they're dealing with from a psychological perspective and any other external pressures that they may be under. Where can we support this person? What is their, What are their main difficulties and how can we support them to to kind of problem solve that if we can or to help them kind of live alongside um alongside those difficulties mm, okay but who does that who's going to be able to do all of that because you're in a slightly unique position in having two quite distinct different um experiences which actually in this situation probably fit in quite nicely together for somebody with long covid but you almost need to be a jack of all trades in this isn't it so how does it work do you is this something that is mainly a psychological service or do you have a team of other people involved and how is how how's it all coordinated do you do you have all of you around the patient sort of all sharing your ex- expertise or does the patient move around from person to person how does it work Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that's a, a really good point. It can be very, very overwhelming, you know, when there's when there may be potentially be lots of needs there. Um, so we're we're fortunately really well set up within City and Hackney. So we've got a full multidisciplinary team, including occupational therapists, physiotherapists, psychological um, practitioners, a dietitian, and we've got a care coordinator as well. So we are fortunate to have a, a, a team that can kind of approach the difficulty somebody's living with from, from many different angles. And where we kind of start with that is that at assessment, um, so um, an individual who has been referred to us will be assessed by both a physiotherapist and um, somebody from the psychology team. So maybe myself or a psychological wellbeing practitioner. So they will get a 45 minute slot with a psychological therapist and a 45 minute slot with a physiotherapist. And sometimes that's an occupational therapist that does that assessment as well. So it's a very kind of thorough assessment that we're doing in, in the beginning to kind of understand all of these maybe complex needs that might be happening. Okay, that makes sense then. Yeah, because I was going to say that too many cooks boil the broth and it's a case of, okay, which order do you do this in? So you've got a physical person, a psychological person, and then essentially bringing in the appropriate services depending on what you find in that initial assessment. Okay, that sounds logical. And then who would make the decision then in terms of what should happen next? Is that the care coordinator? So we would kind of come together. So um, with those assessments, they're done back to back, um, but we have a break in the middle and uh, let's say myself and the physiotherapist would come together there, have a discussion and start to try to formulate a plan or to think about what this client's needs are. And then we would discuss that with the patient towards the end of the the assessment. And it's very much based on what the what the client themselves feel that their main um, difficulties, what they feel like they would like to work on first. So we would explain what we have on offer within the service. 
and ask them what they feel kind of would suit their needs most. Okay, so you want to really take them with you in that journey and have it as a sort of joint approach and joint decision making in terms of which way to move. Um, Because I expect that things might not be black and white, even when you've made that assessment. Yeah, absolutely. It may not be black and white, and it very rarely is. So we're kind of looking at, you know, what are all the different things going on and what's the main priority? And again, we are kind of fortunate that we have the post-COVID assessment clinic based at Homerton Hospital. And within that, there's a respiratory consultant. So if there are any kind of further kind of medical questions that we have and that feel like a priority, we can always um, go and ask them about that. Um, So for instance, if we feel a specialist referral is needed to a different service, so that might be someone experiencing joint pain and needing a referral to a rheumatologist, we have the option to kind of get in touch with our colleagues at the post-COVID assessment clinic and they can refer on to a specialist. And we'd also kind of usually talk about starting one type of therapy um, at a time rather than having too many types of therapies at one time. So starting with one type of therapy, seeing how that goes and seeing does that have an impact on any of the other uh, difficulties they may be experiencing. So if somebody's you know experiencing fatigue but also distress associated with that fatigue it might be like we might be thinking maybe that's OT and CBT but we usually say let's go with maybe a symptom management approach first of all with the OT working with fatigue management or pacing and see does that have an impact on the client's um, emotional difficulties maybe if they feel more confident in managing their symptoms um they may experience less distress and they may not have um, heightened emotional difficulties. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Given that the understanding of long COVID is still evolving, Mm -hmm. how do you evaluate whether the service you're providing is is helping? How do you gauge Mm -hmm. that or judge that? So we use a range of different um, patient reported outcome measures and experience measures. So we would send the... um, outcome measures at this kind of same points for each patient. So when they opt into the service, they would be sent a range of different questionnaires that they would complete at that point. Um, So that's kind of roughly around their assessment point. And then before they begin any intervention, whether that is OT or physio um, or something else, um, they would again complete um, outcome measures at the beginning of that type of therapy and at the end of that type of therapy. So we have kind of a minimum data set at the moment, and it includes confidence questionnaires. How how confident does this person feel managing their symptoms at the beginning of treatment and at the end of treatment? Then we've got the EQ5DL, which is a quality of life measure. Um, We've got PHQ9, which um, assesses for um, depression or low mood, and then a GAD7, which is an anxiety measure. Um, So we've got a range of different measures. And then each clinician might choose to use another type of questionnaire if that's indicated. Um, And I think we have more work to do in terms of evaluating that. We've kind of collated the experience measures um, and we need to do more work on um, evaluating the difference between kind of start of treatment and end of treatment. But kind of roughly what we're seeing is that people generally feel more confident in managing their symptoms towards the end of treatment with an individual clinician. 
And that's a big thing, isn't it? Confidence is definitely one of the big aspects of it. And um, this is probably something that could be shared more widely and, and perhaps be published um, because this is what matters to patients. They're much more interested in how am I coping with my symptoms? How do I feel about it? How confident do I feel? Uh, I guess that's, you could argue, more important than the actual change in symptom itself. Mm-hmm. Uh, provided that they've had medical conditions or complications ruled out. Which brings me on to the next thing, really. Uh, and you just touched on to that, that you do have access to the medical side of the long COVID sort of spectrum as well. So you can refer people if you're worried that there's something else mm-hmm. going on. Is that where you mostly get your referrals from? Or is it from primary care? So mostly from primary care, so mostly from from GPs. Some of our referrals might come through the post-COVID assessment clinic, but no, mostly mostly from GPs within City and Hackney. Okay, so this is probably quite helpful for the long, the long COVID medical assessment clinic as well, because they'll they'll deal with the, the medical complications and things like that, and CT scans of the chest or whatever needs to be done rule out as far as one can that there's anything really significant going on medically but then you're still left with a patient who has symptoms and needs mm-hmm. help for it and that's when you come into it and and that's great because that's a bit where we really get stuck mm-hmm. um, it seems that uh, every time we think that we finally got over covid suddenly we get another seeming outbreak um, and so perhaps this is something that we're now having to learn to live with that being the case it Long COVID is probably going to be here to stay for a long time as well. So how long is your service commissioned for? Yeah, so at the moment, we're commissioned up until the end of March 2023. We have been given an assurance that it will be extended for the next year after that. Um, But, you know, still awaiting, obviously, definite funding. But we've been given an assurance that it will continue for for the following year. Um, I think that can be, you know, a a challenge as well, just um, working with the uncertainty around funding. um, But but hopefully that will be secure come uh, come March 2023. Well, hopefully the people in, in decision making will be able to see the benefits based on the evaluation that's coming through. Is this the service for anyone in North East London or are there other services in now that you're aware of fulfilling the same function? So we um, only serve patients who have a city in Hackney GP. Um, there are other services across um, North East London. So there's BHR, so Barking, Havering and Redbridge. There's Tower Hamlets. There is a Newham service and there's a Waltham Forest service as well. But I think it's important to say that not all services have the same availability of therapy that we may have. So it really differs depending on maybe funding or depending on what's available um, within those boroughs. And some might be newer as well. So, yeah, there are there are different COVID rehab services, but we offer maybe slightly different models, I think. Got it. Okay. And in primary care, then, if I've got a patient coming along and there isn't anything really obvious, but they've got these ongoing symptoms, do I have to make the distinction between whether I think they need to be referred to a long COVID clinic for medical complication or sending them to your service? Or is is, is it a single point of referral or do two separate things? Yeah, so it's a, it's a single point of referral um, and 
the referral will be screened and then it will be deemed which kind of pathway to go to. So whether to go to the post-COVID assessment clinic um, or to come to the COVID rehab service. So you can kind of send the, send the referral, um, maybe ind- indicating what you think might be best um, for, the, for the client. And we will ultimately make a decision on what might be best for, for this client. Hmm. Okay. Well, so you've answered part of my next question, which was going to be, what would you want from us when we're making a referral? Any suggestions or tips on uh, either who to refer or how to refer or what would you want us to do beforehand when we refer? Mm-hmm. How, can we, how can we help you in this? Yeah, so so there is a, um, a referral form that has to be completed, um, but there's a number of kind of standard investigations um, that are required. So I think one of the messages would be to um, have that referral completed and all of those investigations completed. And then there's a high likelihood that we'd be able to, you know, accept those referrals and um, get the, the client seen um, as soon as possible. Um, from what we've heard from clients, um, where they've had a really positive experience is where they've felt really heard and listened to by their GPs and really validated and an acknowledgement that, you know, these physical symptoms are really, really real and really, really challenging and difficult. Um, and that you are dedicated in getting that right support for them by referring them on to, you know, a specialist clinic. So I think that would be one of one of the most important points and and something that we work very um we work very closely with clients in validating their own experience and us providing that validation regarding what they've been through okay. i suppose if there's people you know getting in touch earlier so post covid or um long covid how we're kind of categorizing that is after 12 weeks so we would expect that there might be 12 weeks recovery um, for some people. Some people recover very quickly, some people it takes longer, Um, but to be deemed maybe long COVID or post COVID, we're looking at it being maybe eight to 12 weeks, but we'd only accept a referral for somebody who who has been 12 weeks post initial infection. So within that time, I suppose, just that standard advice of, you know, ensuring that they're resting, ensuring that they are trying to reduce any external, you know, pressures or stresses. Yeah, just reassuring them and providing lots of validation, I think. Mm, Yeah, absolutely. And I think we need to be reminded about this repeatedly. Validation doesn't come across as giving a very clear solution to a problem but it can make a big difference to a patient who's suffering with this to at least feel that they've been heard um, and that we appreciate that those symptoms are very real cause the anxiety that must accompany not understanding why that's happening Uh, and that's why it's great to have the service to refer to i'm sure that each of the areas uh, where practices need to refer it shouldn't be difficult to know because i think most people do know how to refer to a long covid clinic now and so assuming that in each area it it would still be a referral to the long COVID clinic, except that the patients would then be forwarded on to um, this part of the management strategy, as it were, uh, once they've got sort of acute medical problems ruled out. Mm -hmm. That that would be uh, the way to go. Mm -hmm. It's great to know that all the work that you're doing um, in relation to this and that you're getting the data back. And uh, it'll be great to see in due course what the long-term outcomes are. And we may find people totally getting over this 100% and feeling that they're cured. 
Um, so that would be great to see. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, absolutely, absolutely. No, and we feel in a privileged position to be able to kind of support patients with this. My only worry is I think you'll probably get really inundated. Um, so there's a part of me that says this podcast needs to really let everybody know. There's <laughs> another part which is saying <laughs> we don't want to flood the services either. Because sadly, it is very common, isn't it? I mean, in the, I think it was the previous episode, or the, no, the first, our first episode on long COVID where we were talking about some of the epidemiology and, and how common this is. Well, that's great. Thank you very much. Thanks, Brilliant. Louise. Thank you so much. No, thank you so much for the opportunity um, to talk about the service. We're yeah, really glad for, for any exposure. And I know you might say there might be a risk of being inundated with referrals, but I think we just really want people accessing the service if they have those needs, if they are experiencing long COVID to access that support. So, so we welcome any referrals that we get. Fantastic. Keep up the great work. Cheers. Thank you so much. Thanks, Manir. So, nice to know that service exists, isn't it? And for me, the take-home points are really quite clear. First of all, to attend anything potentially serious medically, make sure that's been ruled out with doing a proper initial assessment and referring as appropriate. But then if all of that's normal, to then actually listen to the patient's symptoms, validate those symptoms, and to then refer to the Homerton or the local equivalent clinic And it's really great to know that there is a multidisciplinary approach to this, a holistic approach in supporting patients who are suffering with this. Well, they're my reflections. So why don't you reflect on it as well and have a think about what the take-home messages were for you. Anyway, that's all we have for today. We hope you're finding this useful. And you might have picked up on the fact that we seem to be having these holistic type episodes like we had the one on well-being and another one on lifestyle medicine in our sister podcast, Primary Care UK. And here we have a holistic approach to long COVID as we did just now. Do send us your feedback and suggestions. And until next time, keep well and keep safe. This podcast was developed by Northeast London Training Hubs to inform, educate, support and unite the primary care workforce. However, all information and advice contained therein is time, location and context dependent and is general advice. No guarantees are provided with respect to the accuracy of the content. The host, contributors and the organisations they represent do not accept liability for any actions, consequences or effects that result directly or indirectly from the material provided. Please refer to the episode description for more information. Thank you for listening.